When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. into Long Shots, the world's number one rated golf betting show here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you as we take a look back at the tournament that was the Memorial at Jack's Place. And Patrick Cantley has now won the Memorial two times in the last three years, getting it done in a playoff on the first playoff hole against Colin Morikawa last Sunday at Mirfield Village in Dublin, Ohio. He was roughly a 20 to one shot and he and the rest of the contenders got a real break on Saturday when the defending champion John Rahm was forced to withdraw from the tournament, owning a six shot lead having uh, a failed COVID test surface there in the 11th hour. Yeah, and we're going to get to that later on in the program in terms of the betting ramifications, just to kind of give you a summary of what happened and why it happened, which books paid out, which books decided not to, and discuss that a little bit more. But look, Patrick Cantlay, a very deserved champion, I think, even though John Rahm was minus 1,200 after the third round. He had a six-stroke lead, but uh, – Brady, uh, what do we say for Grateful Dead St. Stephen? One man gathers what another man spills, and Patrick Cantlay absolutely gathered here. And look, uh, even though he wasn't the obvious winner that John Rahm probably was going to finish this out, it certainly wasn't a guarantee, though. We see leads sure. get blown all the time. And Brady, you hit the winner on Cantlay. Are you going to give the money back? <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> going to. <laughs> exactly. So people say, oh, Patrick Cantlay shouldn't have won. You know, John Rahm should have won the tournament. Well, he didn't. And that's how we pay out. It's who has the lowest score after 72 holes. And it was tied between Cantlay and Morikawa. Cantlay got the playoff win. And look, uh, I was actually on him here in 2019. I 
I did not go back for seconds this time around. I wasn't sure, even though he was solid at the PGA, really what kind of form he was in. But look, sometimes form doesn't matter. Sometimes you go to a course where you've had success, and that's the exact thing you need. And Patrick Cantlay gets a win. He, of course, has won now twice in three years at Muirfield Village. So, he does very well on Jack Nicklaus designs too. I think when we put that stat up, he was one of the top guys in the field and good for you for going back on Patrick Cantlay. So another big win for this young man. He now goes back into the top 10 in the official world golf rankings. He was 15th, I believe going into Columbus last week and now is is uh, number seven in the world. And look, he put together a solid game. He was second behind Rom for strokes gained T to green third for strokes gained around the green fourth off the T six on approach. So he played a great all-around game so a deserving winner was Mr. Cantlay as we look forward to the U.S. Open coming up next week there were quite a few big names on the leaderboard at the Memorial Jordan Spieth Louis Oosthuizen Rory McIlroy Bryson DeChambeau all inside the top 20 Ricky Fowler with another excellent week finishing 11th Xander Shoffley Patrick Reed of course Morikawa and we will preview this event or when we previewed the Memorial we were talking about how many U.S. Open and winners were champions here in the past at the Memorial. Did, looking at that leaderboard and how well some of these guys did, did it get you thinking about Torrey Pines? It did a little bit. And, of course, Patrick Reed was my nearest contender here. He ended up finishing fifth. But who won at Torrey Pines earlier this yep. season was go. Patrick Reed. It'll be a different setup next week. But clearly a win on the golf course is never a bad thing. A long shots crew was another great week for us. Of course, you mentioned I was able to get Patrick Cantley home at 22 to one. It was my first outright since Kevin Na way back at the Sony Open. Matt Humans was right there. He had Colin Morikawa, of course, the loser in the playoff. And yet another winner on the European Tour for you, Wes Reynolds. What is that, about five this year? Yeah, and I couldn't get one last year after the lockdown, after they resumed the season due to the COVID-19 lockdown. But five down this season, it was Marcus Armitage, the Englishman, 80 to one at the Porsche European Open in Germany at Green Eagle Golf Club. So, and he was very emotional. If you see the tweet on that European tour feed, he was in tears because he's been through a lot of adversity in his life. I remember uh, when he was on the European tour qualifying school several years ago, he and his dad had to sleep in a tent and they couldn't even afford to get a hotel room uh, when he was on European uh, tour uh, qualifying school. And then they had the nice Zoom thing with his girlfriend or his wife. I'm not sure if he's married and their little pup after the round. And he was just an absolute wreck emotionally. I was like, he's starting to make me tear up. So great win for Marcus Armitage. And that's now five on the European tour, three on the PGA tour. So hopefully we can catch up stateside because abroad has been very good to us. I think for the long shots crew in 23 weeks since the Sony open, that is eight outrights and then five for you on the European tour. Not too shabby. This is long shots. The world's number one rated golf betting show right here on V and V the sports betting network. And we want to turn the page now to the preview of the Palmetto Championship, and that is the tournament this week. It was normally scheduled to be the Canadian Open, and we'd like to go regional with our guests here on the program and bring somebody in that makes a lot of sense. So Jeff Feinberg, being from Canada, he was on our schedule to preview the Canadian Open for us, but they switched it up on us, Jeff, and now we have the Palmetto Championship. Of course, the Canadian Open will not be back until next season, but uh, welcome to the program, my friend. You can 
can hear Jeff, of course, uh, on the Pat Mayo Radio Network and his podcast. He also covers golf for Odds Checker and the FTN Network. You can follow him on Twitter at GFeinberg17. And Jeff, uh, so let's uh, switch you to South Carolina here. And this is a tough one. We've never seen this golf course before. They've never had this tournament before. You know, kind of filling a void here because the Canadian Open is not going to happen this season. How did you tackle this handicap with a lot of unknown, Jeff? Well, I don't know about you, uh, Wes, you know, Brady. Uh, thank you guys for having me. But I always find when we go to new courses, these are, these are the hardest ones, in my opinion, to handicap. You know, when it happens with a major championship or a place that gets, you know, played sparingly like the major championship, I feel like we're just so excited for it anyway that we can sort of look past some of the difficulties. Um, but uh, every week I like to see, you know, the past winning scores. To me, that sort of really lends itself to what sort of profiles, um, you know, can win here. And, and more importantly, you know, let me see the last five winners at a golf course. You know, what sort of, you know, profile player type wins here, plotters, bombers, you know, sort of what stat metrics have excelled consistently through the winner's circle at an event. We have none of this. We come into it naked. We're trying to invent course comps. Uh, some people are saying, look at the desert swing. Other people are saying, look at the Middle East uh, Euro Tour swing. A lot of people are saying some Scottish links tendencies or, or um, Australian golf tendencies. So, a Nick Fazio design, I'm just trying to make the most of it, guys. The week before a major, I'm not going to lie, it'll be pretty micro exposure, especially with a field like this. And we're joined by uh, fine Southern gentleman Jeff Feinberg to preview an event in South Carolina that we thought was going to be in Ontario. <laughs> so hopefully the RBC Canadian Open definitely back on the schedule next year. But Jeff, when you look at Congaree here, a big course, longest ever par 71 in the history of the PGA Tour at over 7,600 yards. We'll see if it goes ahead and plays from the tips. But big course, very wide fairways, very generous off the tee, not a lot of rough to cause much trouble. So do you immediately just go to the Bombers this week, or do you think we know that those guys can cut these oak trees uh, on this on this course, but the shorter players might be able to get there too because these fairways seem to have a lot of run in them. They want it to play very firm and fast this week. Yeah, that, that does seem to be the case, and a lot of people are already saying it doesn't play to that sort of yardage. And we just saw Mickelson win at the yardest, longest yardage recorded, you know, major championship course at over 50 years old. It does feel like we're living in a simulation at times when things like that do happen. <clears throat> They're expecting, you know, in terms of the runout, I'm counting on the runout. Some of the early guys that I have bet are, are sort of, you know, I'm going to count on the firm and fast runout. So I'm hoping the weather, the rain they're calling for isn't so much of a, uh, it's just some sort of scattered showers. Nothing that's really going to soak the course too much to get, um, you know, those low burner runouts away. Because I am sort of looking at it like those Middle East courses, like Australia, like even some Scotland. You know, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Jeff also hit Patrick Cantley in his handicap of the Memorial last week. Jeff and I have been both in a little drought. I mentioned I hadn't hit one since Kevin Knott, the Sony. So uh, congrats to you, Mr. Feinberg, for landing on Patrick Cantley. A little bit of fortune, good fortune for us there with John Rahm <laughs> dropping out. But you're not giving the money back either, I imagine. You mentioned the PGA Championship, and, and I do see some similarities here. Obviously, the length and all that sand. I don't know if it's going 
going to be similar as far as how we handicap this field. But Brooks Kepka, of course, just finished second there to Phil Mickelson at Kiowa Island, South Carolina for the PGA. He's one of the shorter shots on the board, a favorite in the neighborhood of eight to one this week. Are we being silly and just not automatically backing this guy and he's going to plow through this relatively weak field? Or are you skirting the favorites this week, Jeff? I mean, I just got to skirt the favorites, A, because there are a lot of unknowns, and B, it is the week before a major. That being said, I want to say we've had two majors so far this year. We had a huge number in KH Lee cash the week before one of them, and we had uh, Spieth in Texas, which sort of has some DJ vibes, I guess, you know, as chalk the week before the Masters. That being said, you know, it's Brooks' first event since the PGA I'm not so much one of these guys that thinks Brooks only like cares about big events, but I do feel with his knee and his injury situation still not being totally a hundred percent. I don't think he wants to walk for, uh, you know, 72 holes for the first time next week at a major championship. So I think, uh, well, if he gets scorching hot, either any of these guys, they're ready to win that million bucks and they'll, they'll certainly, um, you know, have the eye of the tiger, but, I'm not really looking at Brooks uh, at all. If he gets me, he gets me. But the week before a major championship, I'm not betting him at uh, at 8-1, though. Jeff, yesterday, as I usually do on Monday, I was watching you and Pat Mayo on the Pat Mayo Experience where you break down this tournament and kind of recap the previous week and then give your quick picks. And really, the only kind of short-priced guy I was looking at, and I didn't end up betting him, was Terrell Hatton here because I think he is a really good fit for this course. But when you have a a little bit of a downfield like this, even though Terrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, Matt Fitzpatrick certainly capable, this just seemed to be an event to me, Jeff, where it's like you got to go a little bit down the board here with so many unknowns. First time that Congaree has been played on the PGA Tour. Obviously, this course carries a very big reputation, so I'm actually excited to see how it's going to play out despite the fact that it's a one, it's basically a one-off event. But it seems like you on your card did skirt these favorites this week. Yeah, so far I have, and I don't anticipate adding um, any of them, Wes. Like you sort of alluded to it. I am sort of ready for Hatton to pop again. It's It's been a while. That wouldn't shock me. Matthew Fitzpatrick, you know, he lines up well. Uh, you know, we've sort of, again, been waiting for it for some time. Even Sung J.M., there are many metrics who believe that this is a perfect event for Sung J.M., despite the fact he's, like, so hot and cold within, like, a two-day period for a player of that skill. I don't know really what's going on there. But, yeah, I, I passed. I passed them all again. My exposure is low. I, I, I'm looking forward to Tory Pine next week. But, but you know, we shouldn't take this opportunity lightly or, or this event lightly, I guess. I mean, it's highly probable the winner of this event will be a larger outright ticket than probably one of the great players that's likely to win next week at the major. That You know, my exposure will be four times for what I'm going to have on the board this week just because. Yeah, you guys talk about uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick. I thought he was really going to fire last week at the Memorial, and uh, I think he missed the cut, if I recall, but uh, glad I was on Cantley. Fitzpatrick, I really he was kind of one of my more favored picks uh, of the haul that I had together for the Memorial, but he didn't fire last week, and I'm not going back to the well with him a week before the major this week. Who are you on, Jeff, to win the Palmetto Championship at Congaree? Maybe you, you mentioned you really didn't take any short shots. Some of your long Longer shots, any top 10, top 20 finish guys. What did you do as far as who you invested in for this week? 
Yeah, um, I, at the moment, I'm in the middle of the, the board. Uh, I, I am in on Ian Poulter. I was able to pull a 40 on him off a of third place at, at the Colonial. And I would say, guys, since the Masters 21st, 30th at the Valspar, 8th at the PGA, like he's been incredibly consistent throughout the year. And, and his metrics versus this field, um, you know, he ranks pretty pretty high everywhere I want to look. And it's hard to find these links. I don't really want to make them. But a guy like him, like he sees Nicholson win, like, you know, just the answer's in the dirt. Like keep grinding, keep doing what you're doing, keep playing great. I think the opportunities will be there for Poulter. And a great note I got from uh, Banford Golf on Twitter, guys, 17 times Poulter has finished top 10 the week before a major. That includes European and PGA Tour. So something about the week before a major really does work for him, whether it be that win in Houston right before the Masters or great Scottish Open before Open Championship. And I believe he's here because he's very realistic. Tory Pines will not work for Ian Poulter. He's probably going to struggle. But he sees a great opportunity this week at Congaree on a course setup that really could um, um, you know, work for him. He's an Orlando guy, so not too far off from the region these days, and I think he wants to take full advantage of the cash, the FedEx Cup points, and, and even Ryder Cup points that play in a week like this comes with. And I'm in on Harold Barner the third. He speaks often about Wells Fargo being like a major to him. He doesn't play well there, but he always plays great at Heritage, a second place, a seventh place at Wyndham. So maybe these sub-tier Carolina events where he puts less pressure on himself to play great are right up Barner's alley. His ball striking is 42nd on tour this year, but if you cross that over to who's actually in this field, you know, it sets up great for a guy like Harold um, this week. And I'm on Rafa, Cabrera Bayo, who qualifies for the U.S. Open, but I'm working this morning, so I'm worried, much like my Danny Willisbet, who had to pull it with appendicitis, happy he did that, uh, that he's probably going to withdraw. But over the last 12 rounds, Rafa's top five in the key stat model this week from Fantasy National. Uh, you know, just behind guys like Brooks and Hatton. So he's doing a lot of good things. Uh, you know, we put a couple good rounds together last week. Maybe we can turn two good rounds into three good rounds and see where that leaves us on Sunday. Jeff, we match up on two of those in terms of my card this week, that being Poulter and Varner. And you did mention Fantasy National that a lot of us obviously use for our stats on a week-to-week handicapping basis. Number one in the field, strokes gain, short game, is Ian Poulter. So this could uh, very well be a very good week for him and a good note that Steve Banford brought in terms of the top ten finishes. But anybody, and you did kind of mention it a little bit in your last answer, some of these guys that may have qualified for the U.S. Open, especially some of the guys on the Columbus side today that had to go ahead and finish this morning. If they don't withdraw like Danny Willett did and like a couple other guys have done, are those guys you're maybe looking to fade in terms of if you're playing any matchups this week? The guys that, okay, I got through the 36 holes of qualifying, I qualified for the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines next week. Are those guys you're looking to go against, obviously putting your Rafa Cabrera Bayo uh, pick aside? Uh, not, not so much, guys. I would hope a lot of these guys are realists and realize it's still a tour event. Uh, the exemptions, the money, the points, the placing, that, that comes with it. Uh, you know, it's great to get into the U.S. Open, but I would think, you know, a realistic opportunity for a lot of these guys this week, you know, to actually lift the trophy. And I even joked with Pat on the podcast, like, week in, week out, there's guys we like on tour, but we know just don't match up to some of the big boys, but he's a better guy this week, and hey, he's got to go face off with 
to win the trophy this week. Like, that's how weak the field is. You know, the guy he's going to be battling with on Sunday isn't going to be like it, you know, was last week as Scheffler was looking for his, you know, first win. Um, so I think all those guys, even if they've qualified, I think they're smart enough to know the opportunity that actually presents itself uh, this week. Maybe Ian Poulter is the pre-major guy that Stuart mm-hmm. Sink is to the post-major golf yeah. tournament. Yes. Stuart Sink is uh, just amazing as far as uh, after a major championship. I'm sure you were aware of that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a good call, Jeff, with Ian Poulter. I, I didn't realize. And, of course, I remember his win at Houston. If I recall, I think he had a really good match play uh, down in uh, Austin one time before a major. That was probably the Masters as well. I, I, actually, I think it was the same year he won at Houston. Anyway, good stuff there. Um, let's talk about uh, the major coming up, the U.S. Open, of course, in beautiful La Jolla, California at Torrey Pines. Anybody that you have bet on already, Jeff, or anyone that you feel might be peaking at the right time that you're considering putting a bet on for the third major championship of the season? Yeah, so normally coming to majors, and I got, you know, such a packed card already, and I don't know whether it was because Last year's Masters was so late that I wasn't looking at futures so long as we still had a Masters to play. For whatever reason, I don't really have major bets, but at Christmas, I did make a bet on Gary Woodland at just over 100 to 1. Uh, maybe that's because he was so kind to me the last time we played a California Oceanside um, U.S. Open a couple of years ago at Pebble. So I'm happy to see uh, his form has gotten back into a good place despite missing the cut at Memorial. So, you know, I do have my eyes on, on Woodland, but, but right now, you know, I gotta say, I'm still seeing forties on and plug your nose in here. Tony V now, <laughs> uh, the honors have been immaculate. They have been immaculate. The putting this year for Fino has actually been quite strong. It's sad how bad it was last week. Cause if he just brought the putting and short game that he had really, has really kept him above ground most of this year, he would have been there at the Memorial, but, but, but between the PGA uh, Championship and the Memorial, he's striking the ball so well. We know how long and demanding U.S. Open golf courses are. Helena Green, but, you know, you think if he ever might win a big event or on tour, it would be Helena Green. And with the, the extended placings and competition in the marketplace, I don't really like to play the each race, but, but I think there's always an opportunity uh, there with Tony. And as long as the books want to disrespect Patrick Reed in full field events, uh, especially can you consider how well he has played, how consistently he keeps finishing, uh, going back to a course he won out a few months ago. If they want to disrespect him next week, I will, I will, I'll be on him. Great stuff, Jeff. Well, you, you can join the party here uh, on the Tony Finau train. Uh, I know both Wes and I and our colleague Matt Humans. I, I think that makes four of us that are betting. Tory Pines, Tony might get it done this time. Have a great week and en- enjoy the Palmetto Championship, Jeff. Thanks for joining us on Long Shots. Thanks so much, guys. And the sad thing is, even when he wins, I'd just be paying for all my losses on that. <laughs> I gotta get hold somewhere or another, so I'll be there with you. All right, my friend, have a great week. That is Jeff Feinberg. You can catch him at Odds Checker and also a part of the FTN network, a repeat offender here on Long Shots. We'll come back with some more here, take a look at the European tour and more on the Palmetto Championship right here on VSIN.
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I was mentioning earlier in the first segment, the Long Shots crew, I believe, has 13 outrights in 23 weeks. And a couple of those you and Matt Humans doubled up on. Most recently, Jason Kokrak at Colonial. And then you also were both on Justin Thomas at the Players' Championship. So really 15 winners between the three of us in 23 weeks. Not too shabby. But your cash cow has been the European Tour. I pitched it to the brass here at VEASAN that maybe we could do an across-the-pond shots, not just long shots, Mm -hmm. but a European tour show as well. Um, But unfortunately, kind of a a one-off tournament over across the pond this week as well. Kind of a co-ed event, I guess, hosted by Annika Sorenstam and Henrik Stenson. Yeah, it used to be the Scandinavian Masters, now the Scandinavian Mix right there in Stockholm with two of their, I guess, I would say their greatest golf exports, Henrik Stenson and Annika Sorenstam. So what you have is you have a men's tournament of 78 players and you also have a female tournament. It's a ladies' European tour event with 78 players. The prices just did not come 
out until Tuesday morning because we did have that Monday finish in Germany right. because it was a 54-hole event that was shortened. So Saturday through Monday. So just kind of in the interest of time, I did not go ahead and bet this event. I may have a couple for interest. I will not have a write-up of it on Point Spread Weekly, but that's basically what it is. Now, you do get world ranking points for both tours. You get Ryder Cup points, Solheim Cup points. So it is a half European tour, half ladies European tour event over in Stockholm, Sweden this week. All right, so let's move over, and we touched on this with our guest, Jeff Feinberg, about uh, kind of the crux in the handicap this week. You have to try and figure out is a player going to withdraw? What is his le uh, level of effort going to be at the Palmetto Championship? Because we have, for a lot of these guys, U.S. Open qualifying going on. And one of the latest developments is that Ricky Fowler missed it by a shot. That'll be two out of the three majors this year that Ricky Fowler will be missing. And the one he attended, the PGA Championship, where he played pretty darn well, he was there on special invite. So a tough break there for Ricky Fowler. Also, Keegan Bradley has missed out. A and Keegan Bradley... Bradley is a guy that's been, you know, played very, very well at the PGA Championship, has had a really good year on tour this year. And with his total driving and his ball striking, I think he sets up well for Torrey Pines. But unfortunately, he did not qualify as well. No, he did not. And the qualifying, as we mentioned with Jeff in the previous segment, Columbus, they did have a weather delay. Of course, they were there from the Memorial Tournament. So 120 players there for 16 spots. So you did have some names that went ahead and qualified, like Rafa Cabrera-Beo, who Jeff is on this week, Wyndham Clark, Dylan Fratelli, Adam Hadwin, uh, Johnny Vegas, Eric Von Royen, Charles Schwartzel, Ches Reby, JT Poston, amongst others. So obviously check to see who did make this field. Uh, Want to give a shout to a former guest of Long Shots. His son is going to play the U.S. Open, by the way, Taylor Montgomery, who is right here from Las Vegas. Monty Montgomery, his father, the manager, general manager out at Shadow Creek, who was on with us last year to preview the CJ Cup. Trying to make the PGA Tour. He's in the mix right now in that top 25 on the Corn Ferry, but he's going to play the U.S. Open next week. So good for the Montgomerys to get into that field. And I believe when you look at this Palmetto Championship field this week, Brady, and this is from Skylar Hoke, and I want to give him a shout here, at Skyhook DFS, who is a very good golf handicapper in his own right. We'll have to have him on the show. He counted about 77 golfers in the Palmetto Championship that did have to go through U.S. Open qualifying. Now, some of the guys ended up withdrawing from the U.S. Open qualifying as well. So maybe there's a sense that, okay, I'm not going to be able to play at Torrey Pines. Reality is kind of set in, like Jeff Feinberg was talking about. So they can maybe focus on this event. Or guys that really played well, like, like Rafa Cabrera Bay, who played very well at Columbus, made Jeff Feinberg's card. I had a guy that actually was the low man at one of the sites on my card this week I'll get to later in the show and Patrick Rogers he was the low man at the Bears Club in Jupiter Florida so maybe now that oh I've gotten in the U.S. Open I got qualifying done because it's 36 holes in terms of final qualifying I got that done now I can go focus on this where I'm probably have a more realistic chance to compete this week I believe we've already had about half a dozen maybe eight or nine players withdraw mm -hmm. from the Palmetto Championship yes. and there's a very good chance that we're going to get more before they tee it off on Thursday. Now, of course, the house rules, if he, if you have a player, a future bet on a player, or a, even a head-to-head -head matchup, and they do not tee off, then you should have your bet refunded. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's refunded before the tournament starts. Sometimes, depending on the house rules, they'll refund it after the tournament, so you'll get the bet Sunday night, Monday morning in terms of your refund.
refund. Sometimes they're refunded on Saturday afternoon. Yes. In the case of John Rahm. Yes. We'll talk about that a little bit more. It's time for major implications. We are just a week away from the third major of the season, the United States Open Championship back at Torrey Pines for the first time since 2008 when Mr. Tiger Woods won there. We'll come back with more of it right here on Long Shots. Next major championship on the calendar is the 121st United States Open Golf Championship. And, of course, it'll take place at Torrey Pines in La Jolla, California. Just nine days away is the United States Open. And let's talk about John Rahm. We were kind of kidding about it there in the last segment, Wes. John Rahm, his first ever PGA Tour victory, came right here at Torrey Pines. He has all the tools, of course, to win at any golf course. But he seems to really, especially set up well at Torrey Pines. And, of course, he was the unfortunate victim of a forced withdrawal at the Memorial after Saturday's round. He was coming off the 18th green with a six-shot lead and how do you think he responds to that situation and, and you can certainly go over how the you know some books were refunding this or or paid it out as a win which is pretty crazy but uh, also how do you think he responds when we get to Southern California next week yeah before I get to like Rom in terms of where his game is right now we do want to recap that obviously a lot of the books, especially the ones in multiple jurisdictions across the country, the Bet MGMs, the DraftKings, I don't know who was first uh, in terms of doing this. but The first one I saw was Will Hill. Yeah, because whoever was first, basically it was kind of like a race to keep up with the Joneses at this standpoint. And they did refund the, or pay out those wagers. Some were refunds, some were paid out. And look... I'm always going to be more often than not on the side of the better. So I am not going to begrudge any of those betters for getting paid out on John Rahm. It's like you're not giving your money back on the Cantlay winner. They shouldn't give a dime back or a penny back on their John Rahm tickets. But you do wonder, at my core, I like to think, okay, he didn't finish the tournament. It's yeah. just like an injury. So house rules, because I know a lot of the Vegas books with new people in the market that don't know how this really works, a lot of the guys were getting kind of criticized, whether they were at Circa or at Westgate Superbook or right here at the South Point where we're uh, filming this program. But you got to understand, those are one-stop shop books. Those are not books that are in every single state across the country, so they stick more to their house rules. And a lot of these decisions in terms of the payouts, which I don't necessarily agree nor disagree with because I understand the rationale for doing that. This is all about mainly marketing and public relations. Customer service. Yes, you're competing for business now. This is a very competitive spot with sports betting getting legal in all of these states. And eventually, I don't know when, we'll see all 50 states. So there's still a lot more growth to go in this, in this industry. So what these guys are doing is they're trying to get their business. It's like, I want you to bet with me at... 
BetMGM or DraftKings or PointsBet or FanDuel or wherever it is, or William Hill Caesars. I want you to bet with me instead of betting it with the other guys. So it's it's competition. It's keeping up with the Joneses. But understand, not all sports books are the same, and it is different environments in terms of how you decide to pay these out and whatnot. So I agree with the Vegas books that didn't go ahead and pay these John Rom tickets out. Now, what I would like to see here in Las Vegas, we talk about it often, Brady, I want to see more of a golf betting menu. Mm -hmm. If there's the demand for it at their respective shop, I want to see more top five, more top 10, more top 20 props, you know, week to week and not necessarily just majors. So hopefully we can find a happy medium there. But back to John Rom, just to kind of uh, put a uh, cap on that. You know, John Rahm, he, he tests positive for COVID and has to withdraw from the tournament. Did he drift on the obs board? Absolutely not. No, went down. He is the favorite. Eight to one. I'm seeing at DraftKings. Ten to one basically is like the global market average. And look, he was a guy I kind of liked. I think you like him for the U.S. Open. Uh, may already be on him. And, you know, he drifted a little bit. You were kind of thinking, oh, he got this COVID. So all of a sudden we're going to give you see 15, 16 to one. Not so. He is absolutely drifted down where he will likely be the tournament favorite going into next week. He can win pretty much anywhere. And obviously what we saw at the Memorial, 18 under is 18 under. Yeah. And when you're beating a good field, that field, by the way, last week at Muirfield Village, 11 of the top 15 in the world. So that's about as good of a field as you're going to get for a non-major, non-WGC, non-players championship type of event. Jack Nicholas's place is always a big draw for that. So... You got to think that John Rahm's game is finally, and we've kind of been waiting to see, okay, when is it going to come? Like that remark that Will Gray made last week where he had those top 10 major finishes. It looks really good on Wikipedia, <laughs> but he wasn't necessarily contending. He hasn't played poorly this year by any stretch, but it's just he has not been what he was when he won like 12 events worldwide in the last three years. So John Rahm, absolutely the rightful favorite. I'll probably end up having a ticket on him. I mean, that's my usual bet John Rahm every major until he wins because I think it's going to come sooner rather than later. Well, he'll probably come out with a vengeance, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. That was certainly very disappointing the way the memorial had to end for him. And and I'm Probably a little bit of embarrassment, too, to have yeah, that happen definitely. at Jack Nicklaus's event. Sure. Uh, good point there. And I am on John Rahm. I do have him in pocket, and I thank my lucky stars that I grabbed him before the Memorial and was able to get 13 to 1 because, mm -hmm. like you say, he is now 8 or 10 to 1. Probably really off won't of that be able to find that anywhere next no. week. Maybe 12 to 1 might be the max. Uh, and I'll get to the rest of the guys I have in pocket currently for the U.S. Open. I added Xander Shoffley. Uh, you look at this guy's U.S. Open record. He is He's competed in four U.S. Opens. He has never finished worse than sixth. And uh, Xander Shoffley, of course, hails from San Diego. Typically didn't play well at the Farmers Insurance Open, also held in late January at Torrey Pines, but did figure it out this last January where he finished second. So maybe he has kind of gotten that monkey off his back a little bit, playing that quote-unquote home game. Xander Shoffley, I was able to get him at 20-1. to 1. Tony Finau, we talked about this with Jeff Feinberg. I have him at 35-1. to 1. He is really a Torrey Pines master, maybe the very most successful history at this particular course other than anybody in the field 
field is Tony Finau. Shane Lowry, I grabbed at 80 to 1, who just had another very good finish at the Memorial. Mm-hmm. Guy has really been one of the hottest players in the world. Uh, finished uh, fourth at the PGA Championship. So Shane Lowry in very good form right now. Got him at 80 to 1. And then a big long shot at Ryan Palmer at 200 to 1, who's been good at this course and had a good finish earlier this year at the Farmers Insurance Open. Yeah, I think that's a very good-looking card. Xander Shoffley, to your point, finally went off in his hometown in San Diego. So, absolutely, I think, look, the major championship is going to happen sooner rather than later also for this guy. We're all going to be on Tony Fee now, where he be now. Hopefully, he be in the number one spot next week at the U.S. Open. So, I'm going to have another bet like our guest Jeff Feinberg on Tony Fee now. When it happens, it's going to be on a big stage, no bigger stage than the United States Open. How about Rory McIlroy? I know you're a fan of Rory. Enough time has maybe passed now since his win at the Quail Hollow mm-hmm. at the Wells Fargo. Are you going to, is it time to fire on Rory again? I don't know yet. He is very much in a hold pattern. I'm not buying him, nor am I selling him. Went well at the Wells Fargo where he'd won two times previously. Didn't really show much at the PGA, so he is very much a holding pattern for me right now. He has a great history at Torrey Pines. He has not played the Farmers Insurance Open a ton. He's played it three times. He's finished 16th, 3rd, and 5th. We'll see if he'll fire next week in the U.S. Open and add another U.S. Open trophy to his collection. We'll come back and we'll get to our plays for the Palmetto Championship when we return on Long Shots. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Long Shots, the world's number one rated golf betting show here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you. And it is that time of the program where we like to get to our match play segment. We go over all of our plays for the tournament of the week. And, of course, that is the Palmetto Championship. As we mentioned in the top of the show, it was supposed to be the Canadian Open. That is the traditional tournament this time of year. And, of course, COVID has fouled everything up. And now for the second straight year for the Canadian Open, we expect it to be back in the tour rotation in 2022. But right now we go to the Palmetto Championship. And, Wes, you and I have been talking about this. And Jeff uh, Feinberg mentioned it, too. Very difficult to handicap because there's so much unknown. We don't have history with this golf course. But you and I... Both real excited to see this property. It's been given all kinds of accolades for mm-hmm. this Tom Fazio design. Uh, you know, number one new private course in America and then the sand, the landscape. It looks like it's going to be a really interesting test. Yeah, this course, I believe, by Golf Digest rated in the top 40 in terms of best courses in all of the United States of America. So that's very high praise. It is about 30 miles north of Savannah, Georgia, in a town called Gillisonville, South Carolina. So once was a rice plantation, and Jeff Feinberg kind of mentioned a little bit of Australian sand belt course yes. uh, reminiscence here. Not a lot of rough here, but there is a fair amount of water, I believe, on 10 holes. So there's a ton of sand here. So I thought sand saves were going to be very important, whether it's greenside or really out of the fairway. So I'm excited for this course. And look, I, and based on what I've seen in terms of the photos, the superintendent down there is a man is named David Barrett. He and his staff had less than three months to prepare this for a PGA right. Tour event because that's when it was announced that uh, this was going to be canceled for the second straight year at the RBC Canadian Open. So this comes with a big reputation. It's almost kind of unfortunate that you get a nice course like this, and it's likely to be a one-off event. But I'm sure these folks want to make a good impression to maybe maybe we could host a like a PGA or some kind of WGC event at Congaree or have more events this year, whether it's the PGA Tour or, or the other various tours, LPGA or Champions, what have you. So I am excited to see how this design plays out from Tom Fazio. I think I read that they have applied for, you know, a President's Cup or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe even a Ryder Cup. Yes. So I, I don't think it's the last we're going to see of uh, Congaree, which will, of course, host the Palmetto Championship. We'll start with Matt Humans' plays. And and again, our, Je- our guest Jeff Feinberg talked about it, that he's not getting heavily invested this week. And nor am I or you, Wes. Uh, you know, we're really getting ready for next week, trying to save some bullets for the United States Open. I didn't do any head-to-head matchup plays this week but as far as Matt Humans' plays uh, to win the golf tournament, his outrights in the futures market. I know he is on Patton Kazire at 40 to 1. And this is a guy that I've been on a couple of times recently. Patton Kazire at 40 to 1. He shares uh, 
Uh, Harold Varner there with our guest, Jeff Feinberg, who I know you're on as well at 35 to 1. Also, Ian Poulter, a common selection there for the three of you at 40 to 1. And then finally, Garrick Higo, who you had for a winner on the European Tour. We're seeing a lot of his name around, uh, played in the PGA Championship, and we'll also tee it up at the U.S. Open next week at Torrey Pines. So uh, four players there on the outright card for Matt Humans, but I talked about Kazire. He's been a guy that I've cashed a couple top 10, top 20 finishes recently. Um, you know, I, I think he's really good when you get him in the South. Mm -hmm. uh, he's had success at the RSM at Sea Island. Mm -hmm. uh, he has had success on Bermuda Greens, which, of course, is very uh, prevalent in this part of the country. So he made some sense to me. Uh, again, I think it's a difficult handicap. You kind of have to reach for some straws. But I, I thought Kazire made some sense. He's on my card as well. Patton Kazire, by the way, over the last 24 rounds, when you just take this field only this week, number one in terms of strokes gained to approach and also number one in terms of a category that I looked at I think you're going to have fast greens here about 12 on the stint meter which I would call fast these are also Bermuda greens best in terms of putting those greens over the last 24 rounds so he almost made my card as well this week uh, Garrick Higo when I won on him on the European tour very you know wide open course he won on and you're going to get a little bit of wide open here at Congaree so the common selections Matt and I have of course HV3 here at 35 to one last time, a non-major event in South Carolina. He was runner-up eight weeks ago at the RBC Heritage at Stewart Sink. Ball striking is always good for Harold Varner. It's just like you always say, can he ever make a putt? We never see it make a putt, but he has gained on the greens in five of his last seven starts. So HV Free, also Ian Poulter. Uh, he already is in the U.S. Open because of that third at Colonial last time out. First in the field for strokes gained short game. Ninth in total strokes gained over the last 24 rounds. And that stat that Jeff Feinberg mentioned from Steve Bamford at Bamford Golf on Twitter, who's a very good handicapper over in the U.K., 17 top 10s are better for Ian Poulter in terms of finishes the week before a major. So Poulter and Varner. Luke List, the number has dropped a little bit from that 75 I got. Here's the thing with Luke List. He is not a very good putter. He's 148th in strokes gained putting over the last 24 rounds. But if you look at how he is in this field, second for strokes gained tee to green, third in ball striking, fourth in strokes gained off the tee. If he can just make some putts, this is a guy that can go well. And you mentioned he is also the course uh, record holder here at Congaree. Richie Wierenski, 80 to 1. His putting has not been good of late, but he is on fast Bermuda greens where he is much better and actually ranked when I put that stat up. He was in the top 10 for that. The ball striking has been pretty solid. Big price here. Doesn't have a lot of history in the South, but I took a shot. But here's a guy that does have some history, and that's JT Poston, who got his 36 holes in at the U.S. Open qualifying before that weather delay on Monday in Columbus. Wrapped up his spot, got to fly in. He's from the Carolinas. By the way, his swing coach is a guy named John McNeely, who serves as the executive program director for the Congaree Foundation and is also the president at Diamond Creek, which is, of course, in North Carolina. That's another Tom Fazio design. Poston, of course, won the Wyndham a couple years ago, so I thought at 85-1, to 1, a decent price. Vincent Whaley? He, he's, a guy, he's a guy Poston, though, You and, and you mentioned all the history he has there and the ties to the course and the designer. Mm -hmm. Probably not a guy that would be subject to a WD, but like you say, he's qualified for the U.S. Open. You wonder, 
you know, could it go south there for you? Yeah, you are. But I think this is kind of one of those, okay, this is my opportunity yeah. here. I've got a downfield. I know this course. So he's heavily think, tied in. Yeah, absolutely. Vincent Whaley, 110 to one. That has dropped a little bit. He's made nine straight cuts dating back to Pebble Beach in February. Has been getting a lot of like top 20s and top mm -hmm. 30s over the last couple months. Seventh in overall strokes gained in this field last 24 rounds. This is one of those guys where I think you get a player, it's going to be motivated because it's like it's a downfield. I need a really big finish in the FedEx Cup. He's 124 in the standings. 125 here in late July or late August are going to make it into those FedEx Cup playoffs. So you can't keep getting top 20s and top 30s. That keep you in the game, but that doesn't get you in the game. You need a top five or better, and Vincent Whaley could be a candidate for that. Camilo Vijegas, same thing, 140 to 1. He is now kind of on conditional status where he can't get in every single event. Short game's been good all around. Off the tee, not been good. 95th over the last 24 rounds. But these wider fairways with the rollout, I think, mitigate those disadvantages. And then I'll close out. Patrick Rogers, 175 to 1. Always plays well at Quail Hollow. There could be some similarities here with this and with Congaree and Quail Hollow. Wrapped up the U.S. Open spot was the low man at the Bears Club in Jupiter, Florida. Three uh, shots clear of the field. Big hitter off the tee. I think he'll embrace the wider fairways. All right. Very good. So the outright plays there for the Palmetto Championship for both Matt Humans and Wes Reynolds. And all of us, I think, are blank on the head-to-head -head matchups this week. And, and you talked about it where these guys, you know, possibly see an opportunity. These more journeyman tour players, an opportunity here with a downfield. It kind of feels like an alternate event almost when you have a WGC match play or, or a WGC FedEx St. Jude or what have you, and there's an alternate event in Puerto Rico. And this, I think, is a much different golf course in a different setting. Obviously, you have a couple of top players in the world there with DJ and Brooks Kepka in the field this week. But I think you're right. I think a lot of these guys are going to view this as an absolute opportunity to make some hay and possibly get a victory under their belt. And I kind of look at that like uh, Patrick, uh, Patton Kazire, who I mentioned I share with Matt Humans at 40 to 1. I also took a shot with Lucas Glover, and there's the obvious South Carolina tie there with Glover. Uh, he went to Clemson. Uh, he's been playing pretty well as mm -hmm. of late. Uh, played really well uh, in Texas the last couple times he was down there. And I did uh, read something where he's like the official pro tour ambassador or yeah. something for this yeah. course. So like, I don't know if that's a good thing, but it can't be too bad. Glover and a couple of those guys that are kind of Sea Island guys like Kevin Kisner yeah. has played this a lot. So, you know, shorter hitter and a big boy course, but maybe he can go well here just on the course experience. Ball striking has always been a big plus for Lucas Glover. We'll see if that pans out this week. Played him at 35 to 1. I'm also on Richie Wierenski with you at 80 to 1 West. I mean, this guy really has come out of nowhere this year. He's had a fantastic season. You remember him at Bay Hill. Mm -hmm. Played pretty darn well at the PGA Championship. And I thought that number was a little high as far as his price. I could see him more like 50 or 60 to 1, but yeah. I thought 80 was pretty juicy. Yeah, I did too, and he's not a Southern guy, but I thought he would fit well this week. And then, to your point, some of the other South Carolina guys that you might see being tipped this week, Ben Martin, mm -hmm. who's also a Clemson grad, so Matthew Neesmith, who's from that area, so 
you know, guys that might have local course knowledge, it might matter this week. The one uh, longest bomb I went with was James Hahn. Uh, very good off the tee, and, you know, sometimes he's been subject to injury, and the game has kind of been inconsistent. But uh, one of the reasons I looked at James Hahn, he had a good start to this year. We'll see if that form can return here this week. I thought the number was a little bit big on him as well at 150. But, of course, he has a victory at the Tom Fazio, Wells Fargo, uh, a redesign of sorts for Fazio at Quail Hollow. So, you know, again, you're kind of reaching for some straws here, but mm -hmm. there was the connection with Han and the course designer. Yeah, this is not an event on Sunday when you're tuning in on Sunday afternoon that it's going to be chalk, 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 chalk on the leaderboard. You are going to see some names that you haven't seen in a while on this leaderboard going for the win on Sunday. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Long Shots. Next week, we are back at Torrey Pines, not for the Farmers Insurance Open, but this time for the United States Open. And to join us to break it down, it'll be Alan Shipnuck and Nick Bogdanovich of William Hill. Enjoy the Palmetto Championship, and thank you for turning into Long Shots. Cash some tickets, everybody. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.